Grab your Bibles. We're going to continue in our series in Hebrews looking at uh, Jesus is greater. Now, if you remember, when we ended chapter 10, the author said to us basically, if this Jesus is who he said he is, if he's this great high priest that has sacrificed in God's very heavenly temple and has cleared our sins and made a way for us back to him, then we ought to run to Jesus as quick as we can. He said you ought to draw near to Jesus, you ought to hold your faith without wavering, and you ought to continue to meet together as the body of Christ and encourage one another. In fact, in Hebrews 10.36, he says, we have need of endurance if we're going to receive the prize. And so as he comes into chapter 11, he wants to show us how we're going to do that. And really, this, this is the question for this morning. How are you going to make it through the rest of your life as a Christian? How are you going to make it? This is what he's getting at. How are we going to do that? How are we going to live in this world and not be affected by all the ways that it wants to to draw us away? How are you going to keep going when you face trials and tragedies, whatever they may be? How are you going to keep going? How are you going to do the incredible things God is calling you to do as a Christian. This is what he's getting at. And his answer throughout chapter 11 is, we're going to persevere in the gospel all the way to the end, and we're going to do great things, and we'll do it by faith. Okay, this is his answer. And listen, faith is not just something nice to have, right? We like to talk about our faith. We like to hang that cute little poster in our house with faith in cursive, or even have a cool tattoo to impress your friends. One of my roommates in college had faith just tattooed down his shin, right? Like, you are a cool guy. you got a lot of faith. But the author of Hebrews wants to show us faith is the very lifeblood of our salvation, okay? Hebrews 11.38, he already said this in Habakkuk 2.4, The righteous shall live by faith. This is how we're going to make it. The only thing by which we are saved, the only thing that can empower us to do great things, to carry us to our final destination with Christ is faith. And we need that faith in Jesus this morning that only God can give. Now, Hebrews 11 is known, you probably know this, this is, the, this is basically the hall of fame of faith, right? The hall of faith chapter in the Bible that recounts really all the saints from the beginning of the Bible all the way into the New Testament to be examples to us. It's kind of like going to a museum. This October, I went, when we were in Switzerland, we went to uh, the Matterhorn Museum in Zermatt, and it recounts all the crazy feats that have been done on the Matterhorn. In fact, there's one guy that has summited it over 300 times. And the last time he did it, he was 94 years old. Okay? This is kind of what this chapter is about. It's given us all these really cool people and what they did by their faith. He wants to show us this is how we persevere is by faith. In fact, he says, by faith, so-and-so did this 18 times throughout this chapter because he wants you to grab hold of your faith and make it to the end with Jesus. 
So there's a lot we could talk about in this chapter, but I want to just consider a few points this morning about faith. First thing this chapter deals with is really what is faith? You ever think about this? The author opens the chapter. He gives us this kind of short and punchy definition. 11.1, he says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. This is a little bit difficult for us as Western believers. We often equate faith just with belief. That's how it kind of works in our language. But he wants to show us throughout this chapter that it's far more than just belief. In fact, he's saying it's this this assurance, this conviction of unseen truths and realities. That faith is a, a resolute confidence in things that aren't apparent, whether spiritual or in the future. In fact, he gives us an example in verse 3. He says, look, by faith, we understand that God created the world out of nothing by his very word as he spoke it. And we can think about that. You know, we look at our world. We don't, it's not readily apparent how the world was created. But because God spoke to us and said, I did it, we take him at his word and we believe and begin to shape our life on that truth. So you might say, well, how can we be confident in things that we can't see, right? We live in this data-driven world. We want to see the numbers. We want to see the photos. We want to see the video, all this sort of thing. How can we be confident? Well, we have to have things that we can't see revealed to us by an authority that does know about these things. In fact, you can think about this. I love kind of the history of germs. Some of you are doctors in here, and you may know this. But there was a time we didn't know germs existed, right? We didn't know how we got sick. And so guys like Louis Pasteur and Robert Koch began to understand how germs and bacteria were being transferred to people and being sick. Now, a regular guy, could he see those germs? Totally couldn't see them. But these guys began to tell the authorities and the public health what was going on, and they began to make changes. And what happened? Things improved. I had the fun of doing this one time on a mission trip. Many, many years ago, we'd go to Zambia, and we would teach hygiene to people in villages. And guess what? They don't know germs exist. In fact, it was hard to convince them that this is why they're getting sick at times. And yet the ones that would listen to us, right, we didn't have a microscope to show them. We just had to tell them, this is how it is. This is why we get sick. And those that would begin to listen to what we were teaching their lives would improve, right? They would begin to see, they would begin to have faith in the things they couldn't see. And so how can we be resolutely confident about spiritual realities we can't see? Listen, God is our credible authority that has come down out of heaven to tell us about the things we can't see. In fact, the story of the Bible is that the God of the universe who made everything He makes himself known to us or else we couldn't have known any of this. And particularly in the person of Christ. It says God came down, he took on flesh to show us that he exists. And not only that he exists, but exactly what he's like. Colossians 1.15 and 19 says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In other words, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. This is why he came, to reveal the things that we couldn't see. He shows us in every way what God is like, his love, 
his grace, his mercy towards us, even though he is unseen. And yet when Christ came, what did he also do? He taught us about the spiritual reality that we find ourselves in. Okay? Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, way back at the beginning. Remember it says that many times, long ago, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But now in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. John 1, 1 says Jesus is the very word of God. He's got something to say to teach us about the world around us. And what did he do? He revealed the gospel to us, that we are estranged from God because of our sin, that there was a a debt to pay to God that we could never pay, that he actually came to pay that debt for our sins, that he would die on our behalf so that we could have a way back to God. And those that would believe in him, put their faith in him, their trust, they would have eternal life. And then he proved his message by raising from the dead. He is our authority that tells us about the realities that we don't know or see or understand. And we believe his teaching. So faith believes what God has said in Christ and is resolutely confident about what God is doing through Jesus in our world. And then what we see in this chapter is, that this confidence in what God has said leads us into action. Okay, this is, this is part of how we define faith. I think I have a little equation up here, right? Mike Kirby will like this, one of our elders, mathematician. He likes it when we get equations. But here it is. True faith equals belief in what God has said that then is coupled with a life that actually lives as if that is true. Okay? These are, these are the two parts. God, the saints of old, they heard God's promises. They believed God's promises. And then they bet their life on those promises. Okay, faith takes both belief in this life action. And they were resolutely confident in what God had said. That's faith. We can contrast this with James 2.19 that says, Hey, look, even the demons believe in God. But their life doesn't show it. In fact, they do exactly contrary to what a life that believed in God would do. And look at what believers of old did. They heard what God said, and then they did crazy things, right? Hebrews eleven seven tells us that Noah, God told Noah about the coming flood, and then what does Noah do? He builds an ark, and his family was saved. Even with everybody making fun of him. He believed God resolutely, and he based his life on what God said. Hebrews 11.8 tells us by faith, Abraham left his home to go to a new promised land because God was calling him there. It says he didn't even know where he was going. He just knew that God had said, you need to go. And he believed God's promises and went. And I think this is important. When we grow in our faith, God doesn't always give us the final destination. He says, I just want you to take a step. Would you trust me enough just to take a step? And when, I do, when you do that, then I'll give you another step. That's what Abraham did. Hebrews 11, 11, I love this one, tells us that by faith, Sarah conceived when she was barren. Right? Hebrews 12, 12 tells us actually when the angel said this to Sarah, she laughed. Like, yeah, right. Have you looked at me? <laughs> 
I'm an old lady, and you're telling me I'm going to have a kid? And the lady's like, the angel said, well, why are you laughing? She said, well, I didn't laugh, right? But this passage tells us that in it, she eventually believed God's promises and conceived and birthed Isaac. The point is, God is not calling us just to believe the truths of the gospel, but he's calling us to build our lives on them as if they are true. In fact, this, this calls into question, when you look at your life, does your life reflect actually what you say you believe? Or have you missed half of what it means to live in faith? Where is God calling you to step out in faith based on what he said? I can remember back when God was calling me into ministry many years ago, and I had the choice, am I going to believe what I, what I believe God's calling me to do? Or am I going to say no, right? I mean, I, I believe that God calls people to do things. I believe that he can equip people to do things. But do I believe it? And will I bet my life on it? That's the moment of faith. When will you take the step? So what step is God asking you to take in faith today? So faith is this resolute confidence in what God has said to us, coupled with a life that bets on the fact that it is true. Then the chapter teaches us this, that we are saved by faith. I love this about this chapter. Look at this. Hebrews 11, 2. By it, by, or by faith, the people of old received their commendation. So in other words, because of their faith in God, God was happy with Old Testament believers. You see this evidently again in Hebrews eleven five. It says, by faith, and I like that Corinne said Enoch. She's definitely from Utah. When you're from the south, you say Enoch. Um, but by faith, Enoch was taken up to God, and he didn't even die because he was commended as having pleased God. Right? This dude, he didn't even die because God was so happy with his faith. This is amazing. It didn't say because he had a bunch of religious actions. It didn't say because Enoch was the most moral guy you've ever met. It said because of his faith, God took him up to heaven. Hebrews 11.4, look at this. This goes even further. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended, get this, as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. Whoa. Right? Why were Abel's sacrifices better than Cain's? Because they were done in faith. Right? And notice that it says Abel was commended as righteous. Listen, this is important because the Bible teaches us if we're going to stand before God, we're going to be in a relationship with Him, we need righteousness. We need a surpassing righteousness, Jesus talks about. In fact, Paul in Galatians 3 3, 6 is arguing that we're saved by faith and not works, and he looks back to the fact that God counted Abraham in Genesis 15 as righteous because of his faith. Galatians 3, 6 and Genesis 15, 6 tell us Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He's making the case that we are saved by faith and not by works. Hebrews 11, 6 and 7 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please God. Whoever draw, wants to draw near to God must believe that he exists 
and that he rewards those who seek him. And then in verse 7, it says, righteousness comes by faith. In other words, if you believe God and what he said in his promises, and you bet your life that it's true, then God stamps righteous right over your forehead. And he is perfectly happy with you. Kind of reminds me of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure for those of you that lived in the 90s. This is righteous, right? (laughs) Faith makes us righteous in God's eyes. It's by faith that we're fully accepted. This is the goodness of the gospel. You can never do enough. You can never be religious enough. All God asks is that we believe Him and live our life as if it's true. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 summarizes this for us. Paul says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. You're saved by faith. This is the only thing God requires of us to receive the promises of Christ's sacrifice, the application of his blood to our life, so that we can stand exactly perfect and righteous before the Father. And in here, you know, you go, well, if faith is a gift of God, well, how do I know I have the gift of faith from God? (laughs) You ever ask that question? Well, I'd ask you this, do you believe the gospel and live as if it's true? If you do, then you have the gift of faith. God said, anyone can come to me. And we acknowledge God's good gift to us in faith and can stand perfectly righteous before him. All right, this passage also tells us some particulars, and I like these because they're kind of fun. It also gives us examples of living by faith, many examples. And these are really awesome. And basically, the first one that I like to point out is that it says that faith believes what God has to offer is better than anything this world has to offer, okay? Hebrews 11, 24, and 26, look at what it says about Moses again. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking forward to the reward. Okay, so if you know this story, Moses is born in a time when the Pharaoh is trying to wipe out all the firstborn babies. So Moses' parents saw that he was special by his appearance and put him in a basket in faith to float him down the river to Pharaoh's daughter. And he was picked up out of the river by Pharaoh's daughter. Moses grows up in Pharaoh's household, has all the, all the great things that that would offer to be the, the son of the most powerful guy in the world at that time, had all the privileges, the education, the wealth, the pleasures, everything that we think we want in life, he had it. And yet God revealed himself to Moses. And Moses believed that what God was saying to him was more important and would ultimately reap a better reward than anything he could have ever had in Egypt. And so he renounced his adoption as prince of Egypt, first disrupted adoption, I believe, and he became an Israelite. This would be like Prince William today, if you saw him on the news, that he came in on a news press conference one day and he said, you know, this life in Britain is great, and I love you know, flying around on the private jet. 
but I think I'm going to go live with the people in Zambia. And we go, what in the world are you thinking, right? But because God had revealed to Moses his plan of salvation for the world, he knew that was a better plan and it would reap a greater reward. And he says, I want to be a part of that. And I believe you are doing a great thing. Even in my own call to ministry, I was working a construction job, making good money. And why in the world would I take a huge pay cut to go work at a retail store in Louisville, Kentucky? Because I saw that I wanted to be a part of what God was doing in the world. And that ultimately, if I would give to him and be a part of his calling, then my reward would be way greater than anything I could ever make in this world. Right? This is what faith does. Does your life show that you really believe God's promises are better? Does the way you spend your money and time show that you believe God's promises? What's what's God calling you to give up to follow Him? Or does your life need to better reflect your commitment to Jesus and that you believe what He has said? You know, once we believe the gospel and we see that the promises are better. It really changes our whole experience on the earth. Hebrews eleven thirteen gets at this. This is the common experience of faith, that then you begin to feel like a stranger in an exile on this earth, that this is really not my home. I'm looking for something better. I'm waiting to be there. Hebrews eleven sixteen it says the people of faith, they, they desired a better country. That's a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a city for them. He's saying they're looking forward to the better place that they get to go and be with God. You know, we watch a lot of TV home renovation shows, which is kind of a sickness. I don't know if you've ever fallen into that one. And, I, and, and this drives me crazy when they renovate a home and they're like, this is going to be my forever home. Right? And I want to go, yeah, let's call that your five to seven year home. Because that's the average right? And then you're going to five to seven year it for about 10 times, and then you're going to be dead, and that's not your forever home. I took this uh, to heart, you know, an unhealthy level in our first house in Tennessee after we were married. We bought a brand new house. It was cheap because we lived in Tennessee, and Amy wanted to decorate it, and I said, nope, because we're moving somewhere else at some point, right? Don't paint the walls. Don't mess anything up we got a better place we're going at some point, right? This is what this is talking about. The eye of faith can see that God has provided something better and is saying, I want to get that. I will forsake everything here because I want to be true to what God is calling me to. You know, we see this in people like um, some dear saints. Many of you knew Mike and Sonia Erich. And, um, you know, their life wasn't that glamorous. And then you may look at them and go, why would God let one of them get cancer and then the other get cancer and they die within a couple of years of each other at a young age? Let me tell you this. They got what they exactly wanted. They didn't want this life. They wanted a life with Jesus, and they were looking forward to that for years and years and years. They saw the better reward that was coming, and they said, y'all can take the rest. <laughs> this is what a life of faith does. They got exactly what they desire. What do you desire? Is it, is it what you're hoping is going to be under the tree in the next couple days? Or is it what God promises to give to you if you walk with him? Right? 
C.S. Lewis, a famous quote, he says, look it, we are too easily pleased. Somebody reminded me, by the way, this week that when I say look it, I picked that up from Kevin. I'm sorry. Anyway, C.S. Lewis said, we're too easily pleased. You know, we're like children making mud pies in the gutter because we can't imagine what a holiday like the sea is like. And yet, the eye of faith sees the holiday of the sea that God is offering and says, I want that, and I will let these things go. Our faith believes what God has to offer is better and forsakes the world. And then look at this. This is another example it tells us. By faith, we can do great things. This is why I love this chapter, right? This chapter should fire you up. (laughs) By faith, it says Noah passed through a worldwide flood, and him and his family were saved. Think about that. By faith, Abraham and others went to new lands and prospered. By faith, Moses led people out of slavery. By faith, barren women had children. By faith, the walls of Jericho were torn down. By faith, prostitutes were saved. Hebrews 11.32, look what it says. It says, And what more shall I say? Many of God's people through faith conquered kingdoms. Think of David and other kings. Enforced justice, the judges. Obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, Daniel. Quenched the power of fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Numerous prophets escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, and women received back their dead by resurrection. That should fire you up. God's people do amazing things when they step out in the faith that God gives them, a resolute confidence in what God has said that they bet their lives on. Listen, and we can do great things in our faith. That's not just for them. The point is that the author is telling us, you can do great things in your faith, but you got to believe God, and you got to step out as if it is true. You know, what might God do through you if you stepped out in faith? What's he going to do? Right? These are amazing things. God is calling some of you to share the gospel with your friends and your neighbors and your relatives, but you got to step out and do it and believe that God wants to empower you and wants to save those people. In this city, we need more churches to be planted. And others need to be revitalized For the gospel, God is calling some of you to do that work. Are you going to forsake the world so you can do what God's calling you to? Step out in faith. Remember when Pastor Brian Catherman did that here at our church? He had a great job organizing events down at the Salt Palace. And he said, I think God's calling me to be a pastor. I think I'm going to go clean bathrooms at Risen Life while God prepares me. Right? And he followed his calling through in faith to where he's pastoring a church up in Bountiful. Some of you, God's calling to go to other parts of the world to share Jesus. Get rid of this life and follow God. Are you willing to believe God and follow him to do the work? You can think of Kirk and Crystal that have gone out from our own congregation. Or the Hoshizakis that spent 30 years in Japan. What's God calling you to do? Listen, God also wants to do big work in our lives personally by faith. There are relationships and marriages in this congregation that need to be healed by the gospel. 
Will you believe God wants to heal and has the power in the gospel to heal your marriage and your relationships? Will you take the steps that say, I believe that, God, to begin to heal that relationship? There are sin and strongholds of addiction that need to be broken. And God has said, in Christ, I can break these chains, but it's going to be a journey of faith. Do you believe God can do that? You begin to take the steps with him to live as if it's true. And God has said he can provide for our needs in miraculous ways. He said he can make some of us that are weak, strong, that we can do amazing things as the people of God by faith. But we've got to believe God and live as if it's true. So God is asking, you want to see amazing things? And believe what I've said in my word and live as if it's true. Step out in faith just like these saints did. What promise of God do you need to believe this week and step out in faith and see how God will move? This chapter also tells us that by faith we can endure suffering. See, faith sees through the hardest things of life because we know for sure that God has better things yet to come. Hebrews eleven thirty-five through 38, these are the most amazing verses to me that people endured in the name of Jesus. It says, some were tortured refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. In other words, they wanted the promise of God more than their life on this earth. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. That's my buddy Isaiah. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats and destitute, afflicted and mistreated, whom the world was not worthy, and they did it all in faith. Listen, you have to have a sure heart of what God is doing if you're going to make it through the hard things of life. You can't make it unless you have faith in what God has said and live as if it's true. And here's what God has said about our suffering. Here's just a few things. Romans 8, 28. For we know that for those that love God, all the things we face will turn out for the good. Believe God is doing something in the midst of your sufferings and trials the hardest things in your life, that it will turn out good. It may be yet in eternity that it turns out good, but it will be good. God has promised that. James 1, 2 through 4 tells us that as we face trials, we ought to, we ought to take joy because God is doing a work in us to believe steadfastly in who He is, and we get to experience it. In other words, God is going to grow you in your trials if you'll believe His promises and stick with Him. It's difficult. I look back on some of my hardest struggles in life, and I can see now how God was shaping me, though I couldn't see it then. Right? He's saying, trust me, believe what I've said. I'm doing something in the midst of this. Hebrews 13.5 that we'll cover in a few weeks says, Jesus says to us, I will never leave you or forsake you. Whatever you're going through, Jesus says, I'll be with you. I'll be right there with you. You can count on it. So draw near to God in your suffering. If you believe God, the the gospel of Christ, draw near to Christ and walk with him. Ask him, God, would you walk with me in what I'm facing? Would you do something good through what I'm facing? I know you can. You've said you will. And would you make me steadfast so that I make it all the way to the end? That's the example we have in these saints. 
Now, the last thing that this chapter, I think, teaches us, and this is, this is fun, I think, that by faith, we get Jesus. Hebrews 11, 39 and 40, uh, I love this. It says, all these, he's given all these Old Testament saint examples, and Banjin, come on up. It says, though they, they were commended through faith, they didn't actually receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. In Hebrews eleven thirteen, it says, They all died in faith, not receiving the promises, but they saw them and greeted them from afar. What he's telling us is that God had a point in time that he wanted to fulfill all his promises in Jesus, and that he wanted all of his people to experience this together at one time. God had a bigger plan for all his people to enjoy together in Christ. In fact, the Bible says at the right time, God would send his son to fulfill his promises. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. This is Advent, that Jesus came. Galatians 4.4, it says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Those believers looked forward to what Jesus was going to do. We get to look back, and all of us get to be included by faith. We get Jesus. And it's this faith in Jesus that will carry us through whatever life brings. So this morning, you have an opportunity to get Jesus, just like you do every Sunday. We get him by faith, and in Romans 10, 9, says if we confess in our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You believe that, and you live it out as if it is true. And here's the cool thing. This Hall of Faith chapter really never ends. In fact, he, he even said, I'd love to say more, but I kind of ran out of time in there in this chapter, right? He says, we could say so much more, and if he included all of us, it would go on and on and on. And when you put your faith in Jesus, your name gets written in God's book of the Hall of Faith. And you will do great things, and you will stand through trials, and you will persevere to the end because God is doing a work. And there's a day coming, the Bible tells us, that when this faith of ours will be made sight. And then we of all the saints from all the ages will rejoice in what God has done. So let's be those that believe God and bet our lives on it as if it is true. Let's put our faith in Jesus.